0: Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL radio. Baltimore sports and life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for episode 23 of The Bank. Um, I know that Gabe and I, my co-host, are pretty excited um, about the upcoming game we've got against the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you guys want to talk with us about that after listening in, you can catch us at baltimoresportsandlife.com. Or you can catch us at on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Um, you know, we think that this is going to be the game, I think, the game of the year for the regular season. I think this is the top matchup that we've got coming in, and it's early in the year, but I think by the time the end of the year rolls around, it's going to be probably the heaviest weighted game in terms of outcome that we're going to see in the whole year. What do you think, Gabe? Yeah,
1: I I agree. I think um, you know heading into the season, the Ravens and the Chiefs were largely or widely considered to be the top two teams in the AFC for sure, and by many of the top two teams in the NFL. And I don't think anything has changed necessarily over the first two weeks of the season. Both teams have won their two matchups. They've um, looked pretty good. I think Ravens have probably had a little bit better kind of um, showing so far through two games, but, you know, the Chiefs are still the Super Bowl champs, still have Patrick Mahomes. Um, and, and while it is just week three of the NFL season, you know, there is a lot that's riding on this game. It could potentially be a game that has some playoff implications in terms of seeding. Um, you know, a lot of times tiebreakers come down to conference records head-to-head. Um, and if, you know, these two teams have the same record going at the end of the season, then this game is going to be what decides who gets the number one seed and who gets a bye. Um, so that is actually a pretty big deal. Um, now, it is the third week of the season. I don't think anything that happens in this game is going to dictate how the rest of the season progresses in any sense. But it does kind of give you an idea of how these two teams stack up. And I think that's something that, you know, Obviously, most Ravens and Chiefs fans want to know, but also just people in the NFL want to know. This is probably going to be one of the most watched games that we've had over the course of the season. I imagine that television audiences are going to really tune in for this one. It's, you know, the past two MVPs, Super Bowl MVP. Um, Mark Jackson's one of the exciting play, players in the NFL, and um, we're hoping that he, you know, it's going to be a great show.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and I think, you know, you mentioned this in your last article, starting to preview the Chiefs and Ravens game at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. But there's some interesting commonality between these two teams already through, through two games into the season. They both have a common opponent. Um, you know, obviously, the Chiefs got them at home. The Ravens had to travel to Houston. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, but the remaining two teams that the Ravens and the Chiefs have played, I believe, have a common opponent, too. That's so um, you've got this really interesting thing where you can kind of have some sense of, um, you know, which teams seem to be the front runners, at, you know, from those outcome perspectives. And if you look at it, the Ravens, you know, at least on paper and on the final scores look like the better team. Um, you know, you look at what the Chiefs did against the Chargers this past week and the Chargers do seem like I think they're the only team in the NFC West that's beaten Mahomes as the starter. Um, so they, they seem to, and and the chargers always seem to play the chiefs pretty well. Um, and so I don't know if, I don't know if that's part of it. And there's some kind of, there's some understanding or, or there's already some kind of pre-coaching baked into that because of your divisional opponent. Um, but that certainly wasn't a problem for the Ravens when it came to the Browns. Um, So why don't we break it down and get into this game a little bit? You know, we can start on um, with the Ravens defense, who I think, you know, we've been talking about against the Chiefs offense. The Ravens defense has just been playing exceptionally well. And you've got some, you know, really interesting matchups, you know, between the Chiefs offense and the Ravens defense. You've got Marcus Peters, who started with the Chiefs and has beaten Mahomes in the only two times that he's played against them um, in opposition. He had an interception when he played for the Rams against them. I mean, obviously wasn't here in Baltimore when they played their first game last year. You've got Coleccio Assembly who is the um the the guard for the Chiefs who used to play for the Ravens. Um how do you see these guys matching up against each other?
1: Well, I don't think Kalechi Assembly and Marcus Peters are gonna match up against each other. Yeah, but...
0: no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but um I, I think that, you know, looking let's Taking a step back and looking at the Chargers-Chiefs game again, I think the Chargers match up well with the Chiefs because they do two things really well. One, they can generate a pass rush with their four-man front, and two, they play man coverage well. And the Ravens can do one of those things well. We really don't know quite how well the Ravens can generate pressure with their four-man front because they just don't do it very often. On most passing downs, the Ravens are doing some kind of blitz, whether they're either bringing a fifth guy or they're, you know, bringing four guys from one end on an overload blitz and dropping three guys from the other side into, into some kind of zone. Um, so it's, they're more much more complex defense than what the Chargers are. Their Chargers are kind of just like, they're pretty standard, pretty vanilla with their defense. They just go out there and play, but they have some of the best players along the defensive line that any team can boast with the defensive ends, um, Ingram and Bosa. Um, you know, they also have a really good secondary. So... I think the Ravens match up well. Um, you mentioned Marcus Peters. He's, in my opinion, one of the you know best cornerbacks in the league. Um, he really is someone who quarterbacks are avoiding, I think. Um, the other half of that is uh, Marlon Humphrey. Um, we don't actually know where Marlon Humphrey is going to be playing in this game. So this is going to be an interesting thing to watch, what his assignment is. Um, he might be playing outside, and that would probably put someone like Anthony Averitt may be in this slot, or they might have Jimmy Smith doing a thing where he plays against Travis Kelsey. I'm not sure how they're going to match up in terms of personnel, but generally speaking, the Ravens kind of play their corners on the, the sides that they're on. Marcus Peters is going to play um, the left cornerback, and it's probably going to be Jimmy Smith or uh, maybe Anthony Averitt on the right side, and then my guess is Marlon Humphrey will be playing in the slot. That's probably what we'll see for most of this game. Um, there might be some rotation in there, but I, I do think that the Ravens will match up well. Um, it looks like the Chiefs will might be without their wide receiver Sammy Watkins, who's um, their basically their second wide receiver. He's been out with concussion protocol, so it's possible he comes and practices. It is a Monday night game, so he might make it. Um, but you know that leaves the, uh, the Chiefs a little thin at wide receiver. They have um, Robinson, who's kind of their fourth string guy, and Miko Hardman, who's more like a speedster who plays. You know, a, a kind of a small role in their offense. Um, and obviously Tyree Hill who's who's their main threat our wide receiver. Um, and one of the things that the chiefs do that's interesting is they they move their players around the formation a lot. so they they put Hill, you know in the slot, they put him outside, they bring him on jet motion. they bring it they gave him a couple of end rounds last week where it was actually pretty effective. Um, and also Kelsey, you know he can line up in the backfield, he can line up at wide receiver, he can line up in line. So they do a lot of things with their personnel in terms of where they put them, but pretty much they just use the same personnel grouping and, and kind of like move guys around a little bit. But they don't do anything that's really crazy, I don't think. And in general, I think the Ravens do match up well with them with what they have in the secondary. They do have some guys up front who can get pressure. Um, and I think what's going to be interesting is is the, actually the play calling and the scheme that comes from the defensive coordinator, Mike Martindale versus uh, Andy Reid, who's one of the better play callers on the offensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting. Something that you mentioned earlier to watch, which is, you know, whether they're not they're going to try and trail guys across the field. Um, Tyreek Hill is a guy that you know maybe Humphrey when he's on the outside. If Hill is in the slot, you move Humphrey in and you make sure that he stays with him um, and you you switch them there. Um, I think it's interesting to also think about from the perspective of the Ravens essentially used. Marcus Peters, when he was on Will Fuller's side of the ball to take Will Fuller out of the game. Um, Deshaun Watson wasn't even looking to throw to him um, because of that. And so I think it's interesting to see, one, um, how Mahomes is going to attack Peters on his side of the ball. But I don't think, you know, I I think Watson in particular, sorry, I think Watson in particular was trying to find ways to avoid throwing at certain guys at certain times. Um, And that was just part of O'Brien's scheme. And that was part of what they were trying to do. I get the feeling that Patrick Mahomes is not afraid to throw against any quarterback in any situation. If he thinks a guy is in a place where he can go up and get the ball, and I think that's why Marcus Peters has some interceptions against Mahomes in his career, because um, he's willing to try and throw the ball against them. Um, and, and so I'm interested to see what happens this week, um, you know, on on some of those throws and if he if, if he's, if he takes some of those shots.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Mahomes is never someone who's shy about throwing the ball downfield. Um, if he sees a guy that he thinks has a good matchup one-on-one, or sometimes even double-covered, but he thinks that, you know, for instance Tyreek Hill is going to outrun the defender, that he'll just chuck the ball up there and let his guy go and get it. And a lot of times it works for them. Um, At times, you know, he'll throw an interception when he does that, but for the most part the the kind of gambling nature he's had or the risk he throws has worked out for him so far in his career. Um, I think, though, we don't know exactly how good Patrick Mahomes is through two games this season. His numbers look pretty good, but I think he's not kind of been dialed in to the point where um, we've seen him at his best. And at, watching last week's game against the Chargers, he really, um, I thought, it had a kind of pedestrian game. And he just didn't have like great mechanics in the pocket. He kind of, I feel like he trusted his arm to make throws um, that he probably shouldn't have made. He tried to force things in there, you know, fading away, throwing off his back foot a little bit. Kind of what Gardner Minshew was doing tonight, honestly, in this game. I don't know if you watched it or not, but he looked like he was just you know, it's just the mechanics were not there. And that's something that, for a large part, he's gone away with. He's made a lot of these really crazy throws that he's been lauded for when he's, like, you know, off balance, like, fading away. And, and they happen to find the receiver. And the receivers have gone out and made great plays for him. But I think against, uh, you know, the Ravens' defense that has, you know, just been so good in terms of their coverage, in terms of their ability to bring pressure, um, he's I think he is going to be under pressure a decent amount. And I think that... He might not get away with making those kind of throws. He's really gonna to have to be dialed in. He's really gonna to have to, you know, properly step into his throws and really make sure that he's going to put the ball where he wants it without any room for error or else he's gonna get in trouble. And you know, if the Ravens can get a couple interceptions in this game, I think that's gonna go a long way to deciding the outcome. And and the Ravens defense have been has been pretty good this year in forcing turnovers. You know, they have an interception in each game, they have forced fumbles in each game. Some of that's luck, um, but some of that's also skill. Um, I think, for instance, the Marcus Peters interception—that's like one of the most skilled, skillful plays you'll you'll ever see from a cornerback. Um, and that that comes from film study, that comes from knowing the tendencies of the quarterback he's going against. And like you said, he's gone up against um, he's gone up against Mahomes before, and he's made plays against Mahomes before. And it wouldn't surprise me if he comes out and makes another play like that.
0: Yeah, and I don't look at the Ravens' forced fumbles numbers as lucky. Uh, the recoveries are lucky for picking one up on on the run and being able to run it back to the house is a little lucky. Um, but the Ravens are focused on knocking the ball out. Marlon Humphrey, in particular, has has really become, I think, a ball hawk in general. Um, he's he's always. You know, he was already always kind of around the ball when he needed to be. Um, but he's looking to force fumbles. He's looking to pick the ball off. He's looking to catch it now. Um, and that takes his game to a whole different level. But, you know, I think you're right. The Ravens are going to put pressure um, on the Chiefs in this game. They're going to bring the blitz. The blitzes. They're going to bring the heat. They're going to be doing peculiar things. I'm really interested to see what kind of packages they bring. Um, I, I thought that there were – I thought the best package that the Ravens brought from a pass rush perspective in the last game was when they had Judon, Campbell, Wolf, McPhee, and Bowser together as a five-man unit. I thought that that finally allowed the Ravens to rush four guys that were all capable of rushing the passer, but to do it with a lot of deception, right? Because McPhee is lining up inside of Bowser on those plays. And you've got two guys that could go to the outside. Either of those guys could drop. McPhee could drop. You can run stunts with any of those guys. Um, Judon, Bowser, Wolf, and Campbell have all been fantastic stunting. Um, you know, McPhee is a veteran and kind of knows and understands what's going on. And I think that's a pretty menacing front when you've got those five guys kind of up against the line. Um, and, and you kind of are able to use, you're able to use uh, like Wolf or Campbell in the A-gap and then kind of got Campbell directly lined up over a guard, Um, you know, I just think it brings a lot of complexion to what a quarterback has to look at. But I think the Chiefs are well-prepared to respond to it in the sense that I think we're gonna see a lot of screens. And I think, you know, I didn't go back and look at what the Chiefs offense did against the Ravens last year, but I know they had a huge screen pass to essentially seal the game. Um, And Andy Reid loves loves to screen, is really effective at screening, not just to his running backs, but also his tight ends and his wide receivers. I think the Ravens are going to really have to be ready for for a Chiefs screen game this week.
1: Yeah, for sure they're going to have to be disciplined because you know the, the screen game, and also they um, they ran some end arounds last last week as well, um, and that's something that can also beat pressure because if if you have guys who are kind of um, out of position and you know trying to you know get after the passer or you know jump into a, a gap. Um, and, and then they're not available to, to be there for uh, you know backside contain or outside contain, it can really open up a big lane for for a guy who's, you know like you said, a running back who's going to catch the ball or maybe also a wide receiver. Um, and we saw some nice um, play calling from Andy reader play design in week one. He had a nice screen to Travis Kelsey. It was kind of like a fake screen to the running back, and then he, he gave the ball to Kelsey and a nice pickup for a first down. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they try and do some stuff like that. Um, you know the Chiefs, I think, have a good offensive line. It's not an elite line necessarily, but they hold up pretty well for Mahomes. I think that you know the Ravens have some guys up front who can make a difference against them, and we might actually see a little bit less blitzing, a little bit more four-man pressures this this week, um, depending on you know how how the four-man front is able to pr- apply pressure. But you know Judon's really good up front, and Clayus Campbell, obviously, he's a difference maker as well. Yeah. be getting Justin Meta BK in this game. I know um we have to kind of temper our expectations for a rookie playing his first game, but you know, I think his calling card was that he can, you know, bring some interior pass rush. So, you know, that's something that we might see a little bit more of trying to get to pressure with four man and dropping seven into coverage. That's something that the Chargers did really well last week, and especially in man coverage, they were able to, you know, make Mahomes uncomfortable and not able to find completions down the field.
0: Yeah, I'll believe the Ravens aren't going to blitz when they don't actually blitz. But until then, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm buying it. But, you know, I, I think you're right that, that they're going to have to think about it. I thought one way that Mahomes really did make the Chargers pay when you were talking about their scheme is they really did kind of, at least from the pieces that I saw, four man rush, two man shell over the top, man to man coverage underneath that. And in the second half, Mahomes just basically decided that when he broke the pocket, he was just going to run for a first down because everybody turned around on him. Um, I don't think the Ravens are going to provide him that luxury, even when they rush four guys. I think one of the reasons the Ravens don't like to move their guys around it, across the field is because they don't, don't want to disclose when they're in man and zone. and They've got two guys on the outside um, that are capable of being able to handle some of those matchups. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's going to be really interesting to see too. But, um, you know, I, I think Patrick Queen is going to have his hands full, you know, if we talk a little bit about some individual matchups, you know, in addition to like guys like matter BK, you know, I, I'm interested to see what he can bring to the table. I just, I, I'm just skeptical about, um, you know, what a rookie that's been hurt is going to do in his first game against, you know, a really good quarterback and a really uh, honestly a pretty good offensive line. Um, but Queen is going to have his hands full. You just talked about the end rounds. I think he's going to be a key on those. Um, obviously, your edge setters matter too, but that sideline to sideline speed, we're going to need to see it if those plays are going to happen. Um, Travis Kelsey is a monster on Monday Night Football. Um, I think he's played in like six or seven Monday Night Football games in his career, and he's got an absurd number of yards and touchdowns. And I think he's like in the top six or seven and receiving yards, catches and touchdowns on Monday Night Football over – Over his career, over the length of his career in the NFL, Um, and then a guy we haven't even talked about yet is Edwards Hilaire, Um, and I think Queen is going to be a guy that's going to be a part of all all three facets and all three levels of the game in that sense. In addition to this little screen game that we're talking about, um, you know, what did you see from him so far, and you think he's up for the challenge? So
1: I think that I mean he's definitely gonna have a role. Whether or not he's up for the challenge is going to be a a big challenge. I think. Kelsey's not a good matchup for him and and Kelsey's just too sudden of a, of a player and too savvy of a route runner I think to actually to have someone like Queen cover him in a consistent basis I just I think he would leave him in the dust I I don't trust that matchup I do, I would not like to isolate Queen on Kelsey in one on one I think he would do better actually matched up against a running back whether that's Edwards Holaire or um what is it, Williams one of the the Yeah yeah, their the other running back Williams. Um, they, that's probably a better matchup for Queen and and man coverage. I think in zone he, he he's pretty good. I think you know he has a good sense of um, what's going on around him of of the ability to get decent depth in his drops. I don't know how much zone the Ravens are going to be playing on this one. They're probably going to you know mix and match a little bit. He might be used more as a blitzer. Honestly, um, I think the other guy that that we could talk about at linebacker is going to be um, LJ Fort, who's played really well through two games. I think he's also going to have a role here um, in coverage and probably as a blitzer as well. And, you know, in terms of guarding Kelsey, that might be, I think that's more of a safety's role if it's going to be in man. And it's probably, you know, Deshaun Elliott, maybe Chuck Clark, maybe even Jimmy Smith. I think they all have a better shot at sticking with him than any of the linebackers that the Ravens have. You know, honestly, I might put Tyus Bowser on him too. I think Bowser is probably a really good option because um, you can kind of jam him right at the line of scrimmage and then he has actually pretty good athleticism um, to kind of keep up with a guy like Kelsey. Um, but it's that's definitely the biggest mismatch I think the Ravens are going to face. Um, it's really hard for anybody to match up with Kelsey one-on-one. They probably won't have to do some kind of like, um, you know, two guys kind of one, one side, you know, jamming him underneath and the other kind of picking him up over the top uh, and just kind of, you know, keeping him between two instead of just one person because he's just too good. Um, He's kind of like, you know, like Gronk mismatch back when he was at his peak, but even a little bit more quick, quicker, you know, probably a little bit more uh, explosive as a, as a playmaker. Um, I think Edwards Hilaire is a guy that the Ravens will have, will match up a little bit better against. And, you know, he's done a little bit of passing or catching out of the backfield um they the chiefs haven't used him too much in that role yet um he's not been that involved in the screen game i think he could be really good in that we saw him you know catching a lot of passes at LSU um so that's something that we should definitely watch out for and then i think just the the other matchup is Tyreek Hill obviously you know that's something that is is another hard matchup really nobody has the speed that he possesses um anybody on the ravens defense can can probably catch up with him if he gets deep. I think you have to have a safety um, playing, you know, over the top pretty much at all times. You you can't afford to, you know, do these, like, zero coverage when you have someone like Hill. So you really need to be um, disciplined with, with the safety. You have to know where Hill is at all times, and you have to have a plan to kind of take him away if, he, if it looks like he's going to be getting deep. And even if that means letting up the underneath stuff, you, you just can't let him beat you for these, like, 80-yard touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, going back to Edwards Hilaire for a second, you know, everybody was, every, the the shine was really bright after week one and, and he he really didn't look tremendous against the Chargers. And again, not, you know, not a team that's packing the box a lot, not a, not a team that's going to kind of throw the kitchen sink, you know, at another team. Um, so it was interesting to kind of see his numbers drop off. I think you're right that the Ravens, the Ravens should be able to, to kind of keep him contained. And, you know, the one of the most optimistic things I had, I, I thought about the, the first, the second game of the year, um, after the the Browns game, was that the Ravens stopped David Johnson predominantly in seven man fronts. Um, they weren't heavy overloaded looks where they were bringing guys into the box to slow them down. Um, and Houston, a handful of times, tried to run against that, and the Ravens were able to snuff it out. That's going to be huge in this game. If the Ravens can have a seven man front. Um, or less and consistently stop Edwards Hilaire um, that's going to allow the Ravens to throw a lot more of those different looks that you were, were talking about with Travis Kelsey kind of at the chiefs. And, and, and that's a way that, that you can slow him down. And then I think, you know, then ultimately the question is when you've got Tyree kill working on one side, Travis Kelsey working on the other, how do you bracket cover both or how do you slow both of them down? Um, and I don't think there's, I think you're right. There's no good answer in the NFL for Tyree kill. I mean, we've seen it. I, I think that, I, I think Patrick Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback, but I think if he did not have Tyreek Hill, but just chuck the ball up to um, probably 20 to 25 times a year where Tyreek 18 of those 25 times Tyreek Hill comes down with a ball 40 yards down the field on just ridiculous catches in, in and outside of traffic and just rips defenses apart. I think Mahomes numbers would not look as shiny um, because of that. Um, and so the Ravens have just got to keep Tyreek Hill in front of him. They can't let him get behind him like the Chargers did for that one touchdown. I mean, that was an insane throw. Um, but Hill got behind two defenders and basically Mahomes just threw it over. Threw it over them. Um, and so they're gonna have to find a way to contain him. They're gonna have to find a way. I think you. I think you get physical with Tyreek Hill. Um, you know, they, they throw a lot of kind of short and dump off stuff to him as well and kind of let him go to work there. And I think when those kind of things happen, we're going to need to see some physicality. Um, I think the other interesting thing that I want to see is I want to see Jimmy Smith and Travis Kelsey match up a little bit. Um, I know that the Ravens are a little short at cornerback and they might not be willing to do that. But before Before Tavon Young got hurt, Jimmy Smith was matching up a little bit from that safety role on tight ends in the Houston game, and he did pretty well. He he was I mean it was a drive right like let's like let's not oversell it but um, Jordan Higgins is a big kid, and Jimmy Smith went toe to toe with him. So if he's a guy that you can use to kind of contain Kelsey a little bit one on one sometimes even even just a few of the times that allows you to kind of shift your focus to Kelsey or bait Mahomes into thinking he's going to get a one on one with Smith and do some creative stuff um you know I think I think Wink's going to I think Wink is going to get creative I think you're going to see an A game from him I think you're going to see an A game from the whole Ravens defense
1: Yeah I think so I think so too I think the Ravens have played fairly you know what you'd expect through two games, they haven't dialed anything up too interesting. They've they've done a lot of blitzing, which you know I would expect them to do is what they do. Um, but they haven't shown too many like really interesting things. You know they did different personnel in week two versus week one, which is interesting. In some extent, they they clearly have a very specific game plan for how they're attacking week in and week out, and you like to see that. I think um, it's just going to be interesting because we haven't seen a team that's primarily 11 personnel yet. This is the first team that the Ravens are going to see that that, you know, plays that way on offense and um I would imagine that they're going to kind of do a base kind of nickel against that. Um and we just have to wait and see what that nickel package is going to look like. My guess is it's going to be Smith and and um Peters on the outside and 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 then we'll have Humphrey in the middle or in the slot, but that's something that you know, you might be kind of putting Humphrey in a position where he's overqualified in that role. And then you have someone like Hill who might be mismatched against someone like Smith. I don't think that's a good mismatch for Jimmy on the outside. So there might be something different in which they do some, you know, uh, like Humphrey just follows follows Hill around. They might try something different. It's something they don't normally do, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if they try something like that.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the the Ravens mostly played nickel last week with a combination of some of those big nickel packages, but also just traditional nickel. And the the player that was sacrificed for that was the extra defensive down lineman. Um, You know, we only saw 20, I think it was 25 snaps for Brandon Williams, uh, 10 or 11 snaps for Justin Ellis, and three snaps for Bradwick Washington. And I think that's probably the biggest reason that I temper expectations for Matt Abouke um, only just because I think that the Ravens are going to show a similar package. I mean, the Chiefs are going to have three or more wide receivers on the field most of the time, and I'm I'd be comfortable if I was Martindale in the nickel stopping the run, even if you had something a little bit more traditional um, in terms of what the Chiefs might throw at the Ravens. So um, it's going to be really interesting from a personnel perspective, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Ravens can slow down Mahomes. I think you're right; he hasn't looked tremendous. I think if the if the if Houston wouldn't have conceded. I think two things happened in the Houston game that made the Kansas City's final line look better than they were. One, a on one drive, Houston just thought that they could stop the run with like six or seven guys in the box um, and two guys playing deep coverage over the top. And Mahomes just let Edwards Hilaire run the ball down the field. Um, the, and the Texans never adjusted, so the Chiefs never adjusted. and And they scored a touchdown pretty easily and took a ton of time off the clock that way. The other was that missed field goal. I mean, they handed they handed Mahomes the ball almost to the fifty yard line, um, and they're in the two minute drill, so they just squeezed the touchdown out of that. I think, I think it's likely that if Houston makes that field goal, that that Kansas City doesn't make it all the way down the field or doesn't even try and push it all the way down the field in the same way. Um, and if that happens, that's two drives right there that would turn into touchdowns um and so then there's then the final outcome looks a lot more like it did in the chargers game than it did the chiefs game so i think you're right it's going to be interesting to see is this chiefs offense the same dynamic offense we've expected or is this just not their year is it not that coordination is it going to take a step back um and so it's going to be interesting to see
1: yeah i think the one thing that i just haven't seen from the chiefs is kind of the big chunk plays um they have been kind of Okay, with just throwing it underneath, and and that's partially due to what teams are trying to take away. They're trying to take away those explosive plays. So, um, and I think the Ravens will probably try and do that to some extent as well. But I also think the Ravens will be a little more aggressive on defense, and it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs respond to that. Um, whether they, you know, take advantage of perhaps a mismatch that's made available, or if they kind of succumb to the pressure and 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 either you know take a couple of sacks or maybe throw a interception off of a bad decision. Um, but i think this is definitely going to be um definitely the hardest probably defense that the chiefs play maybe the entire season um definitely up to this i think that the ravens are a better defense than the chargers even though the, the chargers you know in some ways match up as well if not better than the ravens do but i think overall just you know the scheme that that uh, Wink Martindale is going to bring is kind of the difference maker. And having someone who's able to be so creative with the way he designs his his pressure packages is is really going to make Mahomes um, have to think twice about the way he's going to play. So I think it's going to be a, a fun matchup. It's going to be a chess game. And I'm excited to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, I think the interesting thing, if you're looking at it from a betting perspective, is the over-under. I I think that there is a chance that the Ravens do play a similar style of defense. Chiefs have faced all year and just not going to let them get that splash play and beat them deep and make them drive the ball all the way down the field. They'll be creative with stunts and kind of five-man blitzes, but not six or seven-man blitzes, make Mahomes beat them consistently because he looks a little inconsistent on the year. And then you flip the script over the Ravens offense. And I think the Ravens are going to run the ball. I think the Ravens are going to run a ball control offense there. They've always kind of been a ball control offense. They're just unique in the sense that the Ravens are one of those few teams that can make splash plays happen when they run the ball. Um, and so that's part of how they've dialed up the score so bad the last couple of years or the last year and two games um, worth of time. But if that happens you can see, I could very well envision four quarters that looked very much like the third quarter last week in the Houston game, where both teams get the ball, you get six, seven, or 10 points out of it. And that's the whole quarter. Um, and, and, and that's all, re, all, that's all we end up saying. Um, and so if, if the Ravens decide that they want to run the ball, and I think that they should decide that they can run the ball, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what this final score total is going to wrap up like that. But you know, that's the first thing that jumps off the page about the Ravens offense versus the Chiefs defense is that the Chiefs defense is not particularly great at tackling this year. I believe they lead the league in missed tackles on the year, um, and they looked miserable trying to tackle against um, the Chargers last week and miserable, honestly, against Houston the week before that. Um, you know, when I went back and rewatched the Houston game um, and the, Char- or the Chiefs defense, the Chiefs got exceptionally lucky with drops. If Will Fuller and Stills didn't have, a like, played as well as they should and played as well as Cooks did in that game, Houston very may well have won that game. Um, But they those guys had a a really bad case of the drops, particularly when they got isolated man-to-man, kind of in this kind of cover three, you know, eight-man-in-the-box, single-high safety looks. Um, So I I think when they're not in those looks, the Ravens are going to look to run, and I think the Ravens have a distinct advantage. Anthony Hitchens is not very good. Um, he got hurt towards the second half of the Chargers game. So we saw a guy that we talked about pre-draft, Willie Gay, was in the game. He also did not look that good. He he did have a block kick. Um, so he looked good on special teams, but he didn't look that much better either. Um, and I think the Ravens are going to have some real potential success running the ball directly at the Chiefs um, and and seeing what can happen.
1: Yeah, there, there are a few things that stood out to me about the Chiefs defense that I thought the Ravens might be able to exploit. Um, one was... They, I think the zone read can actually really be devastating for the Ravens' offense in this one, because the, the Chiefs don't really have great edge guys, especially when it comes to the, the run defense. And if if they can't contain, um, they are going to be in for a long day against Lamar Jackson. Now, I know guys like you know Tyren Matthew is is probably going to be a big part of how the Chiefs try to defend Jackson. I think he's probably going to actually maybe be a spy for this one, and if he's you know forcing him to kind of not cut off the edge and like go out wide towards the sideline and it it might actually, you know, work. But if Matthew's also going to be sucked up into the box then you're going to have option ability to pass over him um, and pass over their linebackers. And I I think um, this is also a week in which I would like to see the Ravens run a lot of play action um, because I think that they can really take advantage of this defense. If they do that, I think they can use Andrews really effectively over the middle um, using play action, I think they can do some play action, maybe even like screen kind of games. Um, and I think that could be really effective with Dobbins or Ingram. Um, and then obviously, you know, take some shots. I think that this this Chiefs defense can be beat over the top. I, I think last week with um, the Chargers, they were able to get some guys downfield. And, you know, this was for Justin Herbert's first game. And he didn't have great accuracy throwing the ball downfield. Um, I think he has some open receivers that he missed. And I think that the Ravens, you know, have a little bit more speed than the Chargers do and they're wide receivers. And I think they have a little bit more talent at quarterback than the Chargers do. <laughs> so I think that this is setting up to be a game where, yeah, you want to run the ball because the Chiefs don't have a great run defense. But I think the Chiefs know that they don't have a great run defense and they're probably going to have to bring an extra guy down there in the box, to try and defend that. And then I think you just take some t- shots over top of that. And I think that is going to be the key to the Ravens def- offense in this one.
0: Yeah, you talked about three areas that I want to piggyback on that I think were were abundantly clear that Kansas City wasn't prepared for. It. I think as an overview of Kansas City's defense, though, I think that you have to recognize that Chris Jones, Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew are all very good and likely stars at their position across the board. They should be easily pro bowlers, if not all pros, depending on how the year shakes out. Um that being said, the Chiefs are not that great everywhere else. They've got Nandi's and okay run stuffer, but really beyond that, the Chiefs have a guy, I'd say, at, at pretty much every other position. Um, and so, you know, there are ways to take advantage of that, and they should. Um, I think the first is that you were talking a little bit about this with the run pass option kind of looks. I think that. When the Chiefs had to move sideline to sideline, that's where their defense really broke down. And that's where you see a lot of the missed tackles on on either the cutbacks or the, the kind of like the zone read-ish. I, the Chargers didn't really run zone read, but like kind of the misdirection where you've got kind of – you're not quite sure which direction players are going to go. They were, they were really vulnerable, to. Um, And it was interesting to me because they were vulnerable to them in different ways between Houston and the Chargers. Um, In the Houston game, David Johnson was very good at kind of getting them to move sideline to sideline and then kind of cutting it back up the middle and then just kind of dancing around the middle linebackers and then breaking it back to the outside. Um, The Chargers were much better at just kind of basically getting to the edge and then beating, breaking that one tackle and then like continuing to run through that and turning those into big gains. Um, but all across the board, you essentially, what you would see is when they were, the, the Chiefs were running sideline to sideline, they were missing tackles. Um, and I want to see a lot of sideline to sideline action. I, I, if you guys check out my article at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, assessing the Ravens offense last week, you'll see, um, I don't think it was technically a jet sweep because it was a pass, but um, you got the little shuffle pa- shovel shovel pass to um, Marquise Brown from Lamar Jackson, where he runs with the end around. and. He was, I mean, that that play was a Patrick Ricard boneheaded miss block, like greedy, greedy miss block away from being a touchdown. Um, and, and and I think there are opportunities for the Ravens to put stress on the Chiefs defense in the same way. Um, you look at the screen that the Ravens ran where they kind of faked a play to the right and then ran a screen back to the left. I think we can see looks like that. Um, and then you, if you check me out of Twitter at BSL Jordan Co., there were a couple of plays where I showed the, the Texans ran this kind of end around look with the wide receiver and then ran kind of like a slant or a hitch from the wide receiver on the outside. And they kind of forced the cornerback who was in a deep third cover three to make a decision. And I thought Watson pulled the trigger too early on those plays. If he would have held the ball a half second longer, he would have forced that, that defender to, to show what he was going to do and was going to be able to beat it. And I think the chiefs are just vulnerable when that sideline to sideline action happens. Um, the second thing you said Gabe is play action. The Chiefs inside linebackers, the Chiefs linebackers in general and safeties bite on play action so hard, so hard. The Ravens should run on every single pass play in my opinion should be should be play action this week one because I think that they know that they're not great tacklers and I think they know that they're not they're not great run stoppers so they have to overcommit to be good there. Um, but there were a ton of routes that Herbert missed on play action that were just these huge gaping gaps kind of in that second, second to third level of the offense. And um, I think there's a real chance for the Ravens to attack them there. Herbert was, I mean, he didn't know he was going to start. God bless Tyrod Taylor and the tragedy of his doctor puncturing his lung. That's absolutely ridiculous to start with, but Herbert Did not look like a professional quarterback out there. And he missed a handful of wide open guys where he underthrew the ball, where guys were running into the end zone uncovered and he underthrew them. Um, And a lot of those were on play action boots when when they got into those play action boots. And and Herbert's problem was he was afraid to take a hit. So he wouldn't set his feet. He kind of throw off balance, try to be Patrick Mahomes and underthrew the ball by 20 yards. So Lamar Jackson has the arm strength to overthrow that. He also has the gumption to plant his foot and make a throw when he has to or dodge the guy on the outside to kind of beat that contain um, and be able to throw those guys open. Um, and then I think the third level is you talked about this a little bit, but the Chiefs cornerbacks are, are just not a great situation for them. Um, they're still missing Breland. Um, and I, I mentioned this in the Houston game. They just didn't cover Houston's receivers that well. Houston's receivers just didn't catch the ball that well. Um, I think there are going to be some shots for guys like Boykin who can go up and make contested catches and said that's something he really wants to do. Um, And there are going to be opportunities. If you go back and look at the Herbert touchdown pass, um, where the Chiefs play in this cover three look, they like to be like cover three is not their, I don't know that I called it their base, but, but probably a half to two thirds of the game, they were predominantly in cover three in the Chargers game where you can run a guy up the seam and you could basically put all the pressure in the world on that outside corner and kind of run a guy across the face of the middle third guy and make the corner decide which way he's going to defend. If that's Marquise Brown, he's going to run right by those guys by the way it looked um, in the Chargers game. And even the Herbert touchdown was, I think, only a 25 or 30 yard throw. Um, so if the Ravens put that kind of pressure on the Chiefs at a much longer range of down and distance, um, or I guess I should say throwing distance, which Lamar can hit those throws, and it said that's what he's looking to do. I I, I don't see how the Chiefs are going to stop the Ravens from scoring 35 plus points in this game.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think the Ravens have pretty much advantages across the board when, with their offense versus versus the Chiefs defense. You you did mention um, a couple of the players that the Chiefs do have, I think are are noteworthy. And one of them we haven't talked too much about is Chris Jones. Um, he's the kind of player you would call a game wrecker. Um, you know, he lines up mostly at defensive tackle. He can play a little bit at defensive end, but he's just like, I mean, he, he's not Aaron Donald in terms of like the elite level of interior defender, but he's just like a notch below that. I think he, he might be like the second best guy. Um, you know, he's had seasons with, I think like with 15 sacks, he can be a menace against the run um and i'm worried about the ravens interior offensive line against a guy like that and they need to have a plan for for guarding him and if you have him one-on-one over tyree phillips i'm scared i i am worried about that that's the thing that i'm most concerned about in this game and that's the kind of thing that can mess up all the plans that you have for having a you know great game plan you know you can beat the, the chief's defense this way and that way but if you have a guy who's just whooping the Ravens offensive line every single time, then that's all going out the window.
0: Oh, um, I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death of Tyree Phillips versus Chris Jones. I mean, yeah. the Ravens have got to do better than they did against J.J. Watt last week. And we talked about that before the Houston game. I, I don't know. The, the Ravens did not seem to have a plan for J.J. Watt last week. And, and I don't really understand it. It didn't seem to be a priority and communication on the line um maybe they did have a plan and JJ Watt is just so trans transcendental that like he he rose above this game plan that the Ravens had to block him and they just decided not to block him like on like five different plays but Chris Jones is going to make Mitts meet out of Tyree Phillips um Greg Roman's got to know that and he's got to be able to slide protection and he's got to have an answer and and I think quietly that makes Nick Boyle and Pat Ricard um very interesting kind of X factors for this week because they're going to have to help protect on, you know, on Orlando Brown's other side, they're going to have to give extra protection as they step up in the pocket. It also puts pressure on your running backs that are going to have to be past protectors in the pocket as well. Um, and it's going to be interesting. That, that's going to be the thing to watch because I absolutely could see, you know, Chris Jones on a couple third downs, just coming up really big and shutting this offensive down.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm I'm worried about. I I do think that the Ravens have done a good job in the past of kind of scheming up protection and ske- scheming up some like run stuff that takes advantage. in, in certain ways, like you can run some counters, um, you can do some like wham blocks and stuff. Use the aggressiveness, use the penetrator against him. Um, let him like get up field and then like run away from that. Um, and you can kind of bait him into into shooting a gap and you know run away from that. I think the Ravens might try and do some stuff like that in this game. You know, obviously they know that Chris Jones is a great play, player. I I think that that Roman will try to you know do his best to scheme around that. Um, Frank Clark, you also mentioned he's more of a pass rusher than a run defender. He's he's not that good against the run. I think the Ravens can actually run at him, um, and I think that's something that they will do. And you know I. I just don't see how the Chiefs can really slow down the Ravens' offense outside of kind of just, like, crashing or loading the box and just, like, bringing, like, a huge amount of players inside and getting too much pressure. That's, like, the one thing that I think that the Ravens could struggle with if the Chiefs just kind of get super aggressive and kind of load the box and just, like kind of like what the Steelers have done in the past to the Ravens, kind of what the Bills did. Um, but I think the the Ravens, you know, they have the ability to counter that. I think like, we talked about the screen game a little bit. We talked about, um, you know, y- using some of the play action that will slow down th- this as well. Um, and I also think you can use a guy like, like you said, like Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews, or uh, Nick Boyle and Patrick Ricard. Not just in blocking, which they will be doing in this game, but also as like kind of this, you know, play action like guy who can get open, um, who can leak out and be wide open for you know easy gains. And I think you do that a couple times. You use the defensive aggressiveness against them, and you know it makes them slow down a little bit. And I think that's something that we're going to see in this game. And honestly, I think it's it's still going to come down to the Ravens running the ball. That's what the the Chiefs struggle against the most. And if the Ravens can just consistently, you know, pick up, you know, six, seven, eight yards, they were doing that last year when these two teams played. I don't think the Chiefs got much better in run defense. Um, And I think that that's a a place where the Ravens are going to start. And then you just do play action off that. You do some of these zone reads. You do some RPOs. And and it's just going to be, I think, uh, a a game where the Ravens possess the ball a lot and they're going to hopefully capitalize the touchdowns. And if they can do that, I think they can definitely come away with this win.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think, you know, the Ravens are should come out and run the ball. And, you know, we were advocates early in the season saying, hey, the Ravens have got to get comfortable passing. And the Ravens do, in some sense, have to work out some of these kinks. And I think there were a lot of a, a lot of that going on in the first two weeks. I think I'd say that's the one thing that concerns me the most. I, I, you know, I mentioned this when we were reviewing the Houston game. The Ravens were kind of one guy having a bad assignment or a bad play away from scoring 60 points against Houston legitimately like they they were that close and, and in some cases it was Lamar like there were there were four different plays where Lamar didn't slide in the pocket when he only had three or four guys rushing could have and either ran out of the pocket or took a sack when he didn't need to Um, and then there were three or four other plays that were just had touchdown rich, written all over them and they just didn't convert um, and so the question, I think, for this upcoming game is, are they going to get it together? Are they going to be ready to convert on those plays? Is the communication going to be in place? Are they not going to mess up some of this kind of stuff? I mean, if you look at the Chiefs front seven, you know, I think Frank Clark is better than Quentin Merciless, but I think that the inside linebackers are were better for Houston. I think J.J. Watt is a comparable player to Chris Jones. Um, so I don't think that you have to change this changed schematically how you were trying to slow down what the Texans were doing. Cause if you go back and watch the film, the problem in the Texans game was not the pass protectors were getting beat. It's that Lamar wasn't seeing open guys or he was running into sacks or guys were missing blocks on play to play, play certain plays to certain plays. Um, And so they got the communication together in the second half, particularly in the running game. Um, And that made all the difference in the world. So, you know, I'm interested to see how the Ravens rotate their running backs too. Um, I think we saw a lot more J.K. Dobbins in week one because the game was a lot less close. Um, And I think the Ravens felt like they had it in hand a lot earlier um, than they did in the Texans game. Like the the Texans game didn't really get away from them until late in the late in the fourth. And then by then Edwards was kind of rolling and there was no reason to go away from him. Um, So I'm interested to see what the Ravens do with that, because the Ravens had a couple really interesting packages between. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins on the field together, where they used some misdirection, they used some play action. Um, On one of them, Lamar just missed. Dobbins was wide open on the left side of the field. He was just wide open and could have waltzed in for a touchdown. Lamar didn't see him. Um, So there there are some things for the Ravens to learn from their own mistakes in that. Um, There are things for the Ravens to learn on the offensive line. Um, Like that first sack for J.J. Watt, he just essentially went unblocked and there wasn't a good read. Um, Lamar's got to learn to get the ball out of his hand sometimes and trust some of these other guys. And he's got to learn to trust himself. I think there were a few times where he was running the ball, um, last week where he just didn't seem like he had full faith in whatever he was trying to do. Um, but the chiefs can be beat to the, the edge. It seemed like the Texans were determined not to be beaten to the edge last week. And they did a really good job of that. I think across the board, um, you know, not just on Lamar, but the whole Ravens offense, the chiefs defense is not that. They, they they are not sideline to sideline like that. And I don't think they'll be determined like that. So it's kind of funny to say this while I'm saying the Ravens need to learn from their mistakes last week. I also think that the Ravens shouldn't shy away from their aggressiveness to get to the outside. Like it seemed like they were trying to do against Houston, even though they couldn't convert it.
1: Yeah, I think all that's correct. Um, this game, I think, is really going to be a game about execution. Um I think both teams are going to have good game plans. And what it comes down to execution. It comes down to talent on the field. And I think that's where the Ravens went out. Um, I think they have more talent on both sides of the ball than the Chiefs do. Um, on offense, you know, you could argue both ways. But definitely on defense, the Ravens have more talent. And I think they have better scheme on defense than, than the Chiefs do. And I know the Chiefs have a good defensive coordinator in Steve Spagnuolo. Um, you know, he's been with Ravens before. I think he's, he's very smart and he's very talented. But I just don't think that what he can do with the players that he has is the same thing that Martin Neal can do. And I think that's really what it's going to come down to. Um, and this is going to be a close game. I, I have no... Um, I mean, there's always a chance they could be blow out one way or the other. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Ravens win by a score. Um, I I think winning 34-30 is what i what I picked. Um, I do think that both teams are going to score a decent amount. And... I just, I just don't see how. I mean, outside of you know, really bad execution and some really bad play calls, or or really bad, um, kind of just like mental mistakes. I, I just don't see how the Ravens can lose this one if they execute well. That's that's basically my takeaway.
0: Yeah, well, I don't think. Yeah, the Ravens are the kind of team this year that if they're executing and in sync, they're gonna just be a really, really hard team to beat by anyone in the league and it's easy to argue that the chiefs are the second best team. So I think you're, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, in that concept, I I don't see a scenario where the chiefs blow out the Ravens though. Um, I just don't see how they're going to make it happen on defense. I think there were, even with miscommunications, even with 10 missed opportunities on different plays in the game last week, the Ravens scored 33 points, um, and likely could have had more. Um, if they wanted to push the issue once they were up by 17 in the fourth quarter. Um, So starting with that as the baseline, I I don't see how the chiefs are going to keep the Ravens. I I don't see how the chiefs are going to keep the Ravens under 37 points. Now, I could see a scenario where the Chiefs just really get locked in and they score over 40 points. I think that's the I think that's the losing scenario for the Ravens. You know, and if I was if I was betting in that sense, I would want the over kind of parlayed with the Chiefs money line um, since they're the underdog. And I think that, you know, that's their that's their formula to win. They need a high scoring game and they need to they need to put up a ton of points. Um, on the Ravens side, I think it's it's the opposite. I think that they need to get quick three and outs out of the Chiefs, and then they need to turn those three and outs into five minute plus drives, or they just suck the life out of the ball and they suck the life out of Kansas City. And I think if that if that happens quickly. Things could unravel on Kansas city Then you see Mahomes get a little rattled. I think you can kind of key in on Tyree kill. They try and go for the big play a little bit more than like the typical drive. You take Edwards Hilaire out of the game and the Ravens can run away with it. Um, so I haven't posted a prediction yet for this game, but I think I would say that I like the Ravens to win healthily, like, like 30, like I would say like 38, 27, um, something in that range. Um, because I think they are, I, I think the Ravens, have an exceptionally talented team, and if they can put a really good hurting on the Chiefs in this game, it's going to be interesting to hear the kind of conversations that pundits and fans are going to have about the Ravens for the rest of this year. Um, because I think it's going to be it's going to be a while before they lose a game if it's not this one.
1: Yeah, I, I think that this is definitely going to be the biggest game on the schedule. Um, I think this Steelers game at Pittsburgh or at, at Baltimore. I don't think it really matters for this year. Um, I think the Steelers are probably going to be the second hardest game on the Ravens' schedule, and I honestly like. I predicted the Ravens to go thirteen and three before the season started. If they win this one, you know they could match last year's fourteen win total. I mean, there's an outside chance they could go fifteen wins or sixteen. Like it's not out of the, the realm of possibility with how they're playing. They're. I mean, we didn't talk about DVOA. I don't think um and and this week they're far and away the best team by by DVOA and even though DVOA is not looking at defense at this point it's kind of just looking at you know the play-by-play efficiency the Ravens are lapping the field in terms of play-by-play efficiency and it's on both sides of the ball they're like they're exceptionally good on offense they're exceptionally good on defense um they have excellent special teams it's just such a good roster had All the way top to bottom, like the 53rd man on the Ravens roster is someone who could probably be a starter on some teams like they just have so much depth and quality depth. That's why we see somebody like Anthony Avery come in and he's your fourth corner and he's better than some starting corners in the NFL like that's the kind of depth that the Ravens have and I'm not too worried about you know. Any one thing going wrong outside of, you know, maybe Lamar Jackson getting injured, obviously, or a Ronnie Stanley, like those are the two players that you probably can't lose on this team. Aside from that, like, you have a deep team, you have a talented team, and you have great scheme. And I think that's going to um, win the day on Monday, I think it's going to be the thing that we see week in and week out throughout the season. And, you know, this is just going to be the game that kind of like, sets that off as like, okay, the Ravens are for real, they're the Super Bowl favorites.
0: Yeah, you know, I said this before the Texans game that I was a little worried about it, especially after the Tennessee game last year. I think the Ravens have a big red circle around all any potential opportunity to play Kansas City. I think they know that they're going to be their primary rivals for the balance of Lamar's career as a Baltimore Raven. Um, I think they were looking. I think that the ten missed opportunities I talked about in the Houston game had everything to do with the fact that the Kansas City was the next team on the schedule. Um, And I do think that they were looking ahead of that ahead a little bit. And I do think that they were a little sloppy and Houston missed a a really good opportunity to put a trap game hurting on, on Baltimore because of the offense in that sense during that game. And they just, they didn't have the talent to do it. Um, But I think that, you know, you hear everything from Lamar and all these guys this week at the press conference saying like, Oh, this is just week three. Like this isn't a big deal. Like this is just another game. Like it's not versus me versus Mahomes." Those are all practice lines. I think you're going to, I think you're going to see a dialed in Ravens team. And I think that that's the other advantage that the Ravens are going to have here. I don't, not that I don't think the Kansas city takes the Ravens lightly, but I think that if the Ravens as a team feel any way that I do about this, I think that they look at Mahomes, they look at the way that the league talks about Mahomes and Jackson, and they take it as an insult, and they're and the defense is going to come out in, in a way that they're going to prove that Jackson is better than Mahomes by having a great game, and I think Jackson wants to prove that he's better than Mahomes by having a great game. And so if the focus is there, I think you're right, the scheme and the talent are there, so if the focus is there and the execution is there, I, I think – you know, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a really it's going to be a really tough night for Kansas City and Baltimore this week or next week.
1: Yep, that's definitely the hope. So I I think they're winning by, you know, a score you said two scores. Do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap this one up?
0: No, I mean, you got a player of the game on the offense and defense. We did this last week. Um who's going to come through for you this week? So,
1: I think on offense can I take Lamar Jackson? Is that too you obvious?
0: You can, you can take Lamar Jackson. If you didn't, I was going to.
1: I think he's going to have a monster game. I think he might have 100 rushing yards and 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. Like That's the kind of stat line I'm expecting out of Lamar in this game. So put it yeah. definitely in your fantasy lineups.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think anybody's benching Lamara this year in their fantasy <laughs> lineups. Hopefully if not, I want to play fantasy with them. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that's probably right. But you know, I think Mark Andrews is the other guy I take. I think that the Ravens are going to use that run play options, the, the action, uh, the play actions. They're going to put a lot of pressure on the middle of that chiefs defense. And I think Mark Andrews is the guy that's going to reap the reward. I think he's also pissed that he only had one catch last week.
1: <laughs> he almost had that touchdown. Um, that was borderline pass interference and he almost caught the ball anyway. Um, I think if Lamar had thrown it, you know, two feet further, it would have been a touchdown an easy score, but I, I think he's definitely going to get in the end zone. I think Hollywood Brown's going to get in the end zone. Um, I think uh, let's, let's give Miles Boykin a touchdown on this one too.
0: Yeah. Miles Boykin underrated last week. I mean, we didn't talk about that all the here, but after rewatching the film, he looked, he looked really good Uh defense. Um, Let's see. I'm going to take Matt Judon. I think, I think you took him last week, but I think he's, he's due for a breakout game. He's been, he's been winning his, his rushes and Wink really used, um, I thought he used stunts really well last week. And I think Judon was the best player stunting because he's got this good awareness and this good lateral movement. And I think it's going to pay off this week.
1: I'm going to say Clayus Campbell. I think he's going to come through in a big way in this game. He's the kind of player that I think rises to the occasion. Um, and I think, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets a sack, maybe two. Um, I think he's going to be a force in the run, in the run defense, and I think he's going to be uh, just a just a difference maker up front for the Ravens in this one.
0: Way to go out on a limb and pick the two players that are probably the best on both <laughs> sides of the ball for the Ravens to have their A game. <laughs> you know what?
1: I think this is a game where the well the best players come out and shine. So um,
0: I do too. I th- I'm excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I All right, everybody. Monday night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it I know. Day. We gotta wait. We gotta wait the extra day. We gotta like. Luckily, we're on the West Coast, so we get that. We get the game a little bit earlier than everybody else. But um, yeah, check us out. BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter at at Gabe Fergie. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at BSL Jordan Co. Um, we're looking forward to the game, and we're looking forward to wrap it up with you guys next week.